Hello and welcome back to Read This Next with Ruth and Nicole from the Thunder Bay Public Library. Uh, this week we are obviously introducing my no- new co-host. She's sitting <laughs> beside me. We get to film in the same room, just like me and Laura. Um, and Laura is officially off on her bad leave, which is very exciting. And uh, Laura, she she did tell our crew that this is that, that is what's happening. So Ruth is now filling in until Laura can come back. Hi, Ruth. <laughs> Thanks, Nicole. So I'm actually recently back from mat leave and getting to join Nicole. That's really excited. Um, we're both big readers, so yeah. And Ruth fun is a librarian, mostly at Mary J. Uh, so if you're ever looking to find her and give her a, I want your show, <laughs> come find her at Mary J. But yeah, today's topic is uh, urban fantasy. Uh, and I, we, the reason we picked that topic is because one of our team yak was, um, they like, actually, I think you guys should talk about books that are similar to the Raven Cycle series by Maggie Spader. Might not have said her last name right, but, uh, it's very good and it is super urban fantasy and it's really, really good. But do you want to tell us what urban fantasy is? Sure. And I mean, urban fantasy is a like subgenre that's really blown up in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got imaginary, um, and unreal elements and an approximation of an contemporary urban setting. But when we use contemporary, we say it pretty loose, like it could even be 19th century yeah. and having that, it could, but not really going into the future. So yeah. like 19th century to present is usually what we think about when we think about urban Urban fantasy. And it's usually more real world based. Yeah, real yeah. world, but then having these supernatural elements. You might have um, like contemporary Thunder Bay with the Loch Ness monster <laughs> and Selkies or something cool like that. Yeah. But someone needs to get on writing. Please, please. <laughs> the interesting thing, though, is there's also magic realism, which we're going to do a different time, but I'm. I'm never quite sure where the line is between the two, but I think there's definitely crossover. There's a lot of blurring, and I think that's yeah. really common with a lot of these genres, right? And it's it's part of why we actually have all of our paperback shelf together. I don't yeah. know, I don't know if you were working here when we did that. When we had might have been the, it, like separated out. Yeah, yeah, and it became a problem because you'd have like a mystery that had romance elements. So where do you mm-hmm. put it? Yeah, um, and same thing happening with fantasy. We sort of had sci-fi and fantasy together because they were blending. Anyway, it's, yeah. we could go on forever about that. Yeah, we don't do that anymore. They are still, like, they still have a sticker on them in case you are in the building, but they are not separated by genre anymore. Um, but yeah, okay, so we've got a bunch of books today that we can go through. We will start. At, did you want to start? Because I think you said you've read this one. I have read The Rivers of London by Ben Aronovich. Um, it's fantastic. It's about a... It's the start of a series. I think they might be up to like 12 now. There's oh quite my a God. few. Yeah, we have them. They're, been, they're really great. I think I actually came back from front to leave and had to like order some that we didn't have yet. Get um, on it. <laughs> so set contemporary London, police officer. Um, but then he gets assigned to a really unusual unit, the case progression unit. And there's not really much changing, but then there's this, this murder. Um, and he's getting information from perhaps not the eyewitness you expect. Okay. So when your primary eyewitness is a ghost, how do you explain that to your <sighs> colleagues and to your boss? Love that. 
So then there's a change and he starts investigating crimes involving magic and other, as they say, manifestations (laughs) of the uncanny. Um, Super interesting. He ends up communicating with uh, folks who live in the River Thames. Like, it's it's an all-over-the-place eventually moves outside of London, but it's, it's a fun series. Rivers of London is the first in the Rivers of London series. Cool. That, uh, um, I remember when I, the first, not the first time, one of the many times I've been in a reading slump, I came back from, uh, uh I think from school actually, when you were my supervisor at Waverly and you recommended I read the Dorinda Jones. Oh, uh, those are fun. First grave or First something? grave on the right or left. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. There's first grave and there's second grave. Yeah. yeah. She does all like the numbers up to 13, but yeah, yeah, that sounds very similar where it's like, I talked to maybe a ghost and then you yeah. just go up from there. But yeah, that's a, a good record. This one has a little bit less racy. Yeah. Than those ones. Yeah. That one's a little spicy. Yeah. We have, I think we've wrecked that one before though, but it's uh, pretty good. Yeah. Okay. The next one is Burn by Patrick Ness. Um, Patrick Ness wrote the knife of never letting go which is not an urban fantasy, but it does have elements of it. I think that one they can hear. Women can hear men's voices. Men's thoughts go into everybody else's heads. Anybody they're around, women's do not, but they can hear the men's thoughts. And then things ensue from there. Uh, But this is Burn. And I really like the cover of it, actually. Okay, on a cold Sunday evening in early uh, 1957... Sarah Dewhurst waited with her father in the parking lot of the Chevron gas station for the dragon he'd hired to help on the farm. Sarah Dewhurst and her father, outcasts in the little town of Frome, Washington, are forced to hire a dragon to work their farm, something only the poorest of the poor ever have to resort to. The dragon, Casimir, has more to him than meets the eye, though. Sarah can't help but be curious about him, an animal who supposedly doesn't have a soul, but who is seemingly intent on keeping her safe. Because the dragon knows something she doesn't. He has arrived at the farm with a prophecy on his mind. A prophecy that involves a deadly assassin, a cult of dragon worshippers, two FBI agents in hot pursuit, and somehow, Sarah Dewhurst herself. Which sounds super cool. I just can't imagine those poor people who are having to hire dragons. Like, when I think dragons, I think gold. Yeah, I guess in this one they're more outcasts than they are, like, people. Probably in the same way that, like, outcasts are treated right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's just, it's not what you expect when you hear dragon. Like, I think it's an interesting twist. It's fresh. Very fresh. Yeah. Do you want to read the next one? Sure. Uh, So, the next is the beginning of a series, The Sixth World. It's entitled Trail of Lightning. Mm -hmm. Um, So, by Rebecca Rowanhorse. While most of the world has drowned beneath the sudden rising waters of a climate apocalypse, Deneta... I'm really sorry. Laura and I are both really bad for that, so... Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm stumbling over saying Dineta. <laughs> Formerly, the Navajo Reservation has been reborn. The gods and heroes of legend walk the land, but so do the monsters. Because you can't get gods and heroes, I guess, without monsters. No. Um, Maggie Hosky is a Dineta monster hunter, a supernaturally gifted killer. When a small town needs help finding a missing girl, Maggie is their last and best hope. But what Maggie uncovers about the monster is much larger and more terrifying than anything she could imagine. Maggie reluctantly enlists the aid of Kai Arviso, 
an unconventional medicine man, and together they travel to the res to unravel clues from ancient legends, trade favors with tricksters, and battle dark witchcraft in a patchwork world of deteriorating technology. As Maggie discovers the truth behind the disappearances, she will have to confront her past, if she wants to survive, which I think most of us do. Obviously. Welcome to the sixth world. <laughs> Ooh. That one I imagine, I believe Rebecca Roanhorse is Navajo herself. So she, her books are in our uh, Indigenous Knowledge Center. Okay. So, yeah, she's, she's very well known as an author, and I've, I've heard really good things about her. But I do like, I think if you like Neil Gaiman's um, American Gods, this would probably Sounds like it would be a good up your follow-up. Alley. Yeah, sounds really good. Yeah. Okay. The next one has a very short description, interestingly, so I... I don't know. Anyways, the, <laughs> it's called The Last Smile in Sunder City, which is, again, a series by Luke Arnold. I like the cover. Um, I love the font choice. It's a really great font. It, you know that it's interesting, though, because it makes me think of our first one, The Rivers of London, mm. like a similar type of font. It is. Yeah. Very loopy. I scrolled up so I could see it. Okay. Um a former soldier turned P.I. tries to help the fantasy creatures whose lives he ruined in a world that's lost its magic in a compelling debut fantasy by Black Sails actor Luke Ooh. Arnold. Black Sails is super popular. Yeah. Especially in the Tumblr world. Which Interesting I to see, like, from. actor to author. Yeah. Yeah. There's, cool. a few, there's a few actors that have turned author. I know there's... um. The girl from Modern Family, oh, okay. the older sister, she does. Uh, mm. She wrote some books that are really popular. Um, can't remember the titles for the life of me. Okay. Welcome but it's okay. It's about Luke Arnold right now. Yeah. Different guy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sunder City. The magic is gone, but the monsters remain. I'm Fetch Williams. Nope. Fetch Phillips. Just like it says. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta read that window. Yeah. Fail. Uh there are a few things that you should know before you hire me. One, sobriety costs extra, assuming that he probably drinks a lot. Two, or something. S- something. Magic. Two, my services are confidential. Three, I don't work for humans. It's nothing personal. I'm human myself. But after what happened to the magic, it's not the humans who need my help. Which sounds... I like that it's a shorter description because a lot of times Laura and I pick apart the descriptions a lot. And uh, this one is very intriguing. It's very succinct. Of, it yeah. pulls you in with yeah the highlights. And I, yes. And I also like that it's first person because a lot of times it's like, this person did this drama, this and that. And you're like, wow. This one's like significant hey. pause. Yeah. Yeah. What will they do? Yeah. No, this one looks really good. I'm curious. It says Sunder City. I wonder if that is... Now I'm curious if this is actually urban fantasy. Like, what is this in another world? Did I accidentally mm. pick one that isn't urban fantasy? I don't know, but he's a human. Yeah. So, I mean, unless he's a human in another world. Well, that's that happens a I lot. mean, that does happen. Like Game of Thrones. Yeah. You know what? We'll check back. We'll check back in. We'll do our research. We'll have a little blurb at the bottom that says, Oops. <laughs> Yeah, or surprise! Surprise! New genre alert! <laughs> and this next one on the cover looks super good, too. Oh, okay. I love it. It's, but it's your turn to read. It is my turn to read. No <laughs> Gods, No Monsters uh, by Padwell Turnbull, Convergence Saga 1. I confess this is in my Audible queue. 
Oh, nice. I have it downloaded. I just turned on. Audible? I know, I know. Who so is she? she has, she has, <laughs> she has rules in her life. She has rules in her life. So some books I only read in paper. Mm-hmm. Some books I do an audio book. Yeah. I always check the library first for paper. Yeah. I always check cloud library for then for ebook and for um, audio. Mm-hmm. If I don't find them there, I have been an Audible member since 2007. Ooh, I have to cut this from the episode. Just kidding. Um, I think that this one definitely is available, though, if you still want it. Yeah, I had a credit card up, and it was a two-for-one. Oh, my goodness. I know. I'm the worst. But it's a really exciting book with an amazing cover. We recommend using Cloud Library We do recommend Cloud Library first, as I do. Because tell us why it's on your to read list. Oh, because one October morning, <laughs> Elena gets the news that her brother was shot and killed by Boston cops. Like, okay. all right, what's happening? But what looks like a case of police brutality soon reveals something much stranger. Monsters are real and they want everyone to know it, which is interesting because in a lot of urban fantasy, monsters kind of want to, a lot of them want to stay under the yeah. radar. Yeah. These monsters want to be known. Mm-hmm. As creatures from myth and legend come out of the shadows, seeking safety through visibility, mm. their emergence sets off a chain of seemingly unrelated events. Members of a local werewolf pack are threatened into silence. A professor follows a missing friend's trail of breadcrumbs Ansel Gretel, um, to a mysterious secret society, and a young boy with unique abilities seeks refuge in a pro-monster organization with secrets of its own. Meanwhile, more people start disappearing, suicides and hate crimes increase, and protests erupt globally, both for and against the monsters. At the center is a mystery no one thinks to ask. Why now? What has frightened the monsters out of the dark? The world will soon find out. That sounds very good. Right? It also, it's interesting hearing um, when they talk about, like, whenever monsters are brought into a story like this it also does kind of reflect the real world like i said earlier so it does kind of ask you to look at our current situation and what and, people are dealing with yes and, yeah which isn't to say obviously that minorities are monsters but they the the parallels between how they're treated in society i imagine is very similar but yeah yeah that sounds really cool it also sounds vaguely um like sh- no i was gonna say like shadow hunters not yeah. true well it's interesting when you talk to you about like our society um he is an author of color okay so, so i don't know if that was playing in there may be a direct correlation there. Yeah. we would have to get him to come and visit us and let us know please cadwell turnbull <laughs> if you watch our show <laughs> come and talk to us about these books yeah that sounds cool uh if, when you read it please tell me i will okay. absolutely uh this next one is called ink and sigil by Kevin Hearn, another series. Uh, love the cover again, very much like the coffee shop chalkboard. Mm-hmm. Longer description, so bear with me. Al McBarrius, Mc, yeah, I'm gonna go with that. Is both blessed and cursed. He's blessed with the extraordinary white mustache and appreciation for craft cocktails, and most and a most unique magical talent. He can cast spells with magically enchanted ink. And he uses his gifts to protect our world from rogue minions of various pantheons, especially the Fae. Uh, But he's also cursed. Anyone who hears his voice will begin to feel an inexplicable hatred for Al, so he can only communicate through the written word or speech apps. And his apprentices keep dying in peculiar freak accidents. 
As his personal life crumbles around him, he devotes his life to his work, all the while trying to crack the case of his curse. But when his latest apprentice, Gordy, turns up dead in his Glasgow flat, Al discovers evidence that Gordy was living a secret life of crime. Now Al is forced to play detective, while avoiding actual detectives who are wondering why death seems to always follow Al. Investigating his apprentice's death will take him through Scotland's magical underworld, and he'll need the help of a mischievous, 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 mischievous. Yeah, that's a good way to avoid the B sound from there. Yep. Uh, mischievous, mischievous hobgoblin if he is to survive. Which again sounds really cool. A lot of mystery solving. Yeah. Well, and I mean that really ties in the like Kevin Hearn. Um, if anyone. Read his Iron Druid series. It was okay. super, super popular. We have all of them at the library as well. Yay! And uh, that is about the last druid. Okay. And he owns, if I remember correctly, a bookshop in Arizona. Cute. But goes, like, deals with the Fae mm. and uh, has an Irish wolfhound who talks to him. Aww. Yeah, really fun series as well. Um, but Kevin Hearn is, he does some really great stuff. He's enjoyable. And we'll tackle things without going too deep. So I'd say for me, a good back to like New Year read. Mm. If you're just starting and you don't want to read anything too heavy right now. Yeah. Yeah. Me. All the time. <laughs> Being like, no, please give me the lightest book possible. <laughs> it can be thick as long as it's not too heavy. Yeah, exactly. It can be thick, just not heavy. It'll be cool uh, as we like keep filming these to see where your genre preferences lie because like, We've been filming, Laura and I have been filming since 2020 now. Um, And we've come to know, like, this genre that we're talking about is right up Laura's alley, or this one's right up my alley. So it'll be cool to see where yours come in. I can't wait. I definitely fit into the original scene. Oh, there you go. Realm. I I mean, I I feel like that's kind of come (laughs) up already today. Yeah, true. Your reference, or your recommendations. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Do you want to do the last one? Sure. Dang. So the next one and final is Come Up and Served by Marion D. Served cold. Served cold. Oof. <laughs> it's winter. I'm freezing. I don't want to use that word. I don't use the C word right now. It's too cold. <laughs> uh, all right, here we are in Seattle, 1929, a bitterly divided city overflowing with wealth, violence, and magic. A respected magus. Magus? Magus? I'm going with magus. Magus. Fine, Magus. Sorry. And city leader intent on criminalizing Seattle's most vulnerable magickers hires a young woman as a lady's companion to curb his rebellious daughter's outrageous behavior. The widowed owner of a speakeasy encounters an opportunity to make her husband's murderer pay while she tries to keep her shapeshifter brother safe. A notorious thief slips into the city to complete a delicate and dangerous job that will leave chaos in its wake. One thing is for certain. Come up and eventually it's for everyone. Ooh. And I have to say, this is part of why I love audiobooks, as we discuss the pronunciation of various words, yeah. whether common words or less common. Um, in an audiobook, I will get the proper pronunciation. Yeah. I hope. I mean, there are, <laughs> there are a few times when you listen to an audiobook and you think that it's not correct. That, this one I know, and this is not correct. But many, many times, yeah. especially when you're dealing with urban fantasy um, or science fiction or anything supernatural, you can find out what the author really yeah. wanted the word to Especially sound like. If it's like a, like Magus is like, a, is, isn't a super well-known word, but if yeah. it's a, but it is like a normal word. Yes. Whereas like, if they're making up a new type of magic or they're making up this bizarre name, like 
Well, Hermione isn't an absurd name, but I had no idea what it was. There's another... Um, Hermione, I think I did. There's a series um, written by Daniel O'Malley. The first one is called The Brook. And the main character's name is Miffany. But oh. it's spelled like M-W-A-F-A-N-Y or something. Like, I would never get it. But the audiobook... You were like, oh, fills me in. Me, okay. The first time I saw it written down, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. glad I listened to you. Wow. Okay. Because I'd be calling you Moff and I. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love that. That one sounds good. It also sounds like there's um, a more, like it's a variety of casts. These other ones seem to follow one person, whereas this one seems to follow a couple people. And the others yeah. seem more like our current contemporary, mm-hmm. like sort of 2000s-ish. Yeah. Whereas this is going back, you know, in ten in less than ten years, it'll be a hundred years. In six years, it'll be a hundred years ago. Ah, oh yeah, and Happy New Year, <laughs> and Happy New Year. This is our first episode for the new year. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so the last thing we'll do uh, is a couple of previously wrecked items. We have talked about the Fell of Dark, Half Resurrection Blues by Daniel Jose Older, and Gail Carriger's series. I think it's called oh man laura would know it's like petticoats and petticoats and parasols yes yeah I, I did the first one there we go yeah so those are a couple um i have to do show notes now so uh, i will wrap up the episode unless you have anything else to add no okay so thanks for bringing me on yeah of course you'll be here for a while you're stuck with me now <laughs> oh i don't think we ever use that word for each other i mean we no. showed up wearing the same color today unplanned uh so yeah uh make sure to check the show notes for any titles or author names that you missed um they are at www.tbplofftheshelf.com hopefully i'll have have them up on time make sure you follow us um we are at tbpl across the board and we will see you guys all again in two weeks bye before we wrap up this episode, I do want to let everybody know and kind of give a special shout out to a new collection that we've just opened, um, I believe in November or October at the library. Um, for those of you that don't know, and maybe we've already mentioned it on the show before and I've completely forgotten, but uh, we now have a board game collection that ho- is housed at Waverly. So if you're looking for some old board games like Japan or you're looking for some new board games like Sushi Go and things like that, come to Waverly. You can check them out just like a book or a DVD and uh, you can search for them on our catalog just like a book by searching the title of a book or just search board game. Uh, Yeah, enjoy them, and I hope everyone gets to use them.